Good morning, everyone. Today we have a very interesting conversation. It's going to be on the intersection of in-house practice, technology, and social justice. Folks who go to law school tend to have an opinion about social justice. So um, I'm sure you're going to find this very impactful. We as in-house lawyers increasingly advise on all kinds of things, not just legal things. Um, and doing it well and doing it intentionally um, is an art worth perfecting. So I have a fantastic guest who will take us on this journey. And if you have questions, definitely ask because you are so much more likely to get something out of the conversation if you are actually in it participating and asking questions. So do that. And before we begin, I'm gonna give you my invitation to nominate someone from the in-house community, whether it's a lawyer or not, uh, who is doing something amazing with her practice, career, um, impact social life or community life because we know that in-house lawyers are humans first and they have more than just professional lives so if there is someone we want to learn from or you want to learn from nominate this person i would love to invite them here everyone who uh, joins me has been nominated by someone um, and it's absolutely fine to nominate yourself. In fact, I consider it to be an act of courage. And with that in mind, I'm going to welcome my guest, Fatima. Welcome to Notes to My Legal Self. I am so excited for you to be here. Please introduce yourself. Yes, thank you, Olga. Hi, everyone. My name is Fatima Jaffrey. I am um, a lead product counsel for the social impact products at Meta. That is not a small job, and I want to hear all about it. But before I ask you your current job, Tell me how you got to where you are today. Yeah, so I've always had um, a passion for social justice um, and for social equality. You know, I um, am the child of two immigrant parents, um, who, you know, who came to this country from Pakistan, worked really hard. And so, you know, the notion of equality and working um, to make the world a more equitable and just place was a really, really fundamental part um, of my upbringing. And so, you know, I was actually in graduate school um, and I was studying um, economic development. I thought that I was going to be a diplomat um, or in academia. And I took a course, um, human rights policy. And from then, I really uh, it became very clear to me how the law was such a transformative tool uh, to be able to uh, inspire the uh, social justice goals that I had. So I went to law school um, at the same time I was getting my master's. Um, and, you know, I during law school, I, I had the opportunity to pursue a lot of different internships. Um, I interned at Kiva doing really interesting microfinance work. I also interned um, at the Department of Commerce working on commercial law development programs around the world. Um, and those two experiences were very transformative because it was the first time that I really saw the nexus between technology development and the law. Um, and that really, really inspired my career trajectory. So I um, moved to Silicon Valley after law school and um, my focus was really on this intersectionality. I worked at two small law firms um, where I worked with startups, mostly on corporate financings, but I did a lot of pro bono work and um, I focused a lot of their efforts on having that social impact as part of their product strategy. 
That brought me to my first in-house gig at ChargePoint, um, which is an, an electric vehicle charging station company. I was very interested in green tech and the way um, in, in which we can enhance that. Um, and I, you know, worked very closely, of course, you know, I was a lawyer on the team, but I worked also very closely with our policy team and making sure that we were at the forefront of impacting policy um, and helping, um, you know, uh, reduce greenhouse emissions. Um, and, you know, again, that passion for social justice um, and, you know, using technology to really make the world a better place continue to inspire my work. Um, and then almost three years ago, I uh, was recruited to be uh, the lead attorney for all of our social impact products at Meta. Um, so, you know, I think the, the, the common strain both between my personal and professional life has been this commitment to social justice and social equality um, and using the law and using technology as um, a catalyst to do that. Oh, I love that journey. Um, it's such a um, wonderful journey and I, I love the story you tell about it. Um, you know, it's, I'm going to ask you, I guess, maybe a somewhat hard question then because somewhere between, you know, the day we enter law school in OCI, we decide that we need to choose between, uh, you know, a good living and doing the right thing. And you're someone who seems to not buy into that. When did you have that realization that you can, you know, work for a company and still do the right thing and, and, and pursue your life work? Yeah, that's a great question. And frankly, something that, um, you know, I moved to Silicon Valley in 2013. Um, and I will say that the environment at that time when I moved to the current environment is drastically different. So I think when I moved in 2013, there certainly was that sort of divide between, um, you had like the non-for-profit folks and then you had very, um, tech heavy startups. But I do think that, um, I think that there's been this a seismic shift where technology companies are quickly seeing the awesome power that they have that technology does not you know um listen to nation state borders for example technology is agnostic technology is so transformative and i think once um startups and technology companies themselves realized the awesome power they yielded um there was a quick focus to yield that awesome power to um you know impacting um, positive change in the world. And I think I was really lucky to be in Silicon Valley at that time of that reckoning. Um, and so, you know, when I was at the law firms, um, a lot of the startups who would come into our offices were initially, of course, focused on their technology and getting the appropriate patents um, and legal protections around that. Um, but very quickly, you saw that there was a conversation around disruption and how their products and their technology were disrupting traditional spaces. And a lot of those traditional spaces were around access. And these startups were disrupting um, the whole notion that only certain people had access to um, technology or uh, capital or banking institutions. Um, and I think with that idea of disruption, uh, the, the whole idea of positive impact um, was sort of a natural nexus. And it, so, you know, I would love to say that I sort of masterminded um, <laughs> that sort of, you know, idea of being able to, you know, have a comfortable living, but also making meaningful impact. But I do think that there has been um, a seismic shift, um, you know, in Silicon Valley. And you've been here for a while, too. I'm sure you've seen it as well, where companies are prioritizing positive impact of their products um, in a way that I certainly did not see when I first um, came here. 
Yeah, no, I've definitely seen it. Um, and I struggled with that's why I asked that question because I've gone through that choice. Most of us who go to law school have a sort of definition of justice. Um, and I, I felt kind of forced to choose. I refused to choose. Uh, but I d- agree with you. There have been a shift. And in fact, in the last few jobs, I have been specifically hired to have uh, conversations with, you know, policymakers, yeah. members of the public and, and, and doing and advice on the right thing as, uh, you know, intentionally, not just kind of an afterthought. So I, I'm with you. I also think that it takes an openness to look for it. Um, so I think it's, it's a combination of things. So before we go, I do want to talk about sort of technology and impact on social justice because it's a very rich place, uh, for conversation. And I know a lot of in-house attorneys and, uh, law firm attorneys, um, uh, uh, interested. Help me, um, you know, in your, in your scope of work today at, at Facebook, right? You might have had the more than kind of one responsibility. Where have you been and what, what is your focus today? So my current product coverage is elections and equity. Um, and I used to cover all of our health products. So I always call it sort of the three heavy hitters, um, both in terms of regulatory and public scrutiny, but also I think also uh, in, in, uh, in terms of importance and impact. So I was leading all of our health product teams during the um, COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, and so, you know, one of the issues that um, Meta, in addition to a lot of other um, you know, tech platforms was grappling with was this, um, you know, problem of misinformation um, and this prol- proliferation of misinformation on our platform. And so I worked very, very closely with both our policy and engineering teams to really think through how we should think through, um, you know, content moderation and misinformation. Um, you know, and we thought about it in a sort of a variety and multi-pronged approach. We sort of took a traditional approach where we trained ML models to sort of, you know, um, either demote or delete um, misinformation. So we took down over 20 million pieces of content. Um, but we also developed products that would sort of organically demote low quality um misinformation and really up-level high-quality authoritative sources from the CDC, from the ministries of health. So we developed a COVID information hub where users could um, enter to the hub and get authoritative information from CDC, from ministries of health around um, best practices. And I think that's a really unique place um, for in-house counsel to think through their impact. It's not just regurgitating um, the black letter of the law or the legal requirements, but it's also thinking through product, business, and UX that can really um, impact uh, the type of goals that your business um, and policy and product teams are trying to achieve. So my product um, and policy teams, the goal for them was to enhance, um, you know, good quality information and demote misinformation. How can we do that in a legally sound way that's also socially impactful? We can do that through, of course, training ML models and algorithms, but we also should think about um, organic ways that we can do so. Um, and, you know, partnerships with WHO and CDC to really enhance that voice. That is not something law school teaches you to yeah. do. <laughs> that's hence going to be my next question. How do you acquire that knowledge and skill? Um, you know, I, you know, I was recently, I just recently actually had a conversation about what it means to be a product lawyer and how that is not even taught in law school. You are taking what it means to be a product lawyer even further. Um, and kind of what is, how to advise people to do the right thing and how to, 
um, make sure that uh, we do it in a way that is, you know, feels good and has a positive impact and obviously legal, but legal is probably the lowest bar here where you have much higher bars. So how do you, like if I am, you know, beginning, middle or end of my career and I want to pivot into that amazing work, where do I start? <laughs> sure. No, it's 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 a great question. And I think, you know, I, I, I speak to um, a lot of law students, both in sort of a more formalized capacity, but also, you know, in terms of mentoring. And one thing that I really, really uh, try to focus on is that, you know, real world, particularly in-house experience is so much about relationship building and cross-functional partnership. I would not be able to do my job without my excellent policy, privacy, product, and engineering um, cross-functional teams. I work with them every day, often more um, than my legal colleagues. And I think, um, you know, I think that particularly with technology, particularly because it's so multifaceted and because the impact, again, is so great, um, all of these stakeholders need to be in the room. So there's not just legal advice. We need to think through the privacy implications. Of course, you know, at a huge company like Facebook and Meta that have been in the news a lot about our privacy policies and posturing. Um, privacy is a huge part of our consideration. Policy, um, you know, if we are launching this con- uh, this product in the United States, can we launch the same product, for example, in um, LATAM or APAC um, or even in the EU? Um, you know, what does this mean from like an engineering perspective? So I think the one thing that they don't teach you in law school, frankly, is one of the most important part of my jobs, which is cross-functional engagement and stakeholder management. And, you know, when I tell law students, you know, how, you know, how they can acquire that skill while they're in law school, um, it's really through forcing yourself to think outside the scope of um, your law books. And whether that means internships, um, or if that means like taking a course at the business school or the public policy school, or even just sitting in on those classes, just to understand what other stakeholders, what is important to them, what their ultimate directives are, and how you can work best to achieve that together. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, And I hope one day this will be actually intentionally taught in law school, both the product lawyer practice and uh, advising uh, on, on social impact and doing the right thing. Because in the end, you know, as I said, many of us go to law school because we have a definition of justice and a very strong one at that. Um, let's talk about, I, I, I know you have a very strong opinion about impact and technology and the barriers there. So curious about your views and, and the opportunities in that space. Sure. Um so, you know, I, I would say that I came to Meta, um, not necessarily as a skeptic, but very, very interested in the role of big tech, um, in sort of impact, um, particularly around the world. You know, as I mentioned, my parents are immigrants from Pakistan. I still have, you know, family and friends all over the world. And for us, uh, Facebook products really are a lifeline. Um, WhatsApp, uh, I, you know, use every day to communicate with my family abroad. Um, you know, both for happy times, you know, sending pictures of my children, but also in very dire times when, you know, a government decides to shut off cellular services and the only way you can access your friends and families through Wi-Fi. Um, so the products have been very, very ingrained, um, you know, in part of my everyday life. That being said, um, you know, I saw the impact of misinformation, for example, in certain communities. Um, and I wanted to, again, have a seat at that table to be able to 
really see a lot of those complexities. Um, and so, you know, one of the issues, you know, one of the teams that I lead is the elections team, for example. Um, and, uh, you know, for US 2026, we had a lot of really, really interesting learning. Um, excuse me, for, uh, yeah, uh, 2016, we had a lot of really interesting learnings that would uh, really help us inform our policies and our posture for US 2020. Um, you know, we helped over 4.5 million people vote on platform for 2020. We had a um, an elections information center that over 140 million people accessed. And so that's just an example of the awesome power of our products. And that's, you know, I think that's what inspires me every day to, to see the real world impact and the numbers. The numbers are so staggering when you think of the you know billions of people who access instagram whatsapp facebook oculus on a daily basis um that platform um is huge and so i think that's really what inspires me every day um because i i, I realize the reach is so huge um and you know i i, I speak to a lot of in-house lawyers um and i'm you know i feel very blessed and lucky to be at a company that has such an awesome reach, but that doesn't mean that, you know, if you're in a small startup or um, a much more sort of specific space, you know, Facebook sort of covers, you know, you know, Messenger and Oculus and ARVR, um, but it doesn't mean that if you're in a smaller space that your impact is any less. Um, I think that it means that as a lawyer, you should constantly be looking at the real world impact just as you do um, legal risk and partnering with uh, policy stakeholders and privacy stakeholders daily to make sure that your legal advice is consistent with that real world impact. Yeah, so I'm just curious, as you sort of think about the transformation of in-house practice, right? And you know, I, 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 it was very interesting for me that you, that you said that, you know, in my practice, I actually get to focus but in other companies, that actually is part of your job if, if you don't have a separate team. Yeah. Um, and then so it seems to me that this question of doing the right thing, access and technology is no longer sort of the right, just the right thing to do or just the nice thing to do. That is, we increasingly see it as that's what a responsible company behavior, just like keeping good accounting books, you know, um, and and then doing the right thing for your employees. I'm just curious, how, how are you thinking about this kind of future of access and technology and what it means to be a responsible company? Yeah, I mean, I think you made a really, really great point that this is not just sort of a nice to have or like, you know, doing good. I think it's being responsible. And I think from a legal perspective, I think it means, um, you know, just because something is not uh, written in the black letter of the law, it doesn't mean that regulators or frankly the public will not scrutinize you for it. Um, so, you know, we have this joke internally that, you know, anytime there's like a Wall Street Journal or New York Times article that's critical, uh, we sort of presume that Mark or someone from leadership will be in front of Congress um, the next week. And, you know, it's, it's sort of a very uh, dark joke, but the reality is, is that, you know, we're, trying to do good for the world, but we're also, you know, very cognizant that regulators um, and our relationship with regulators um, is sort of uh, anchored in, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, keeping privacy and social impact um, and real world impact top of mind. And so it's not just a 
nice to have anymore and something that you you know you share with your shareholders at the annual meeting but it's increasingly becoming a legal requirement whether it's through algorithmic fairness legislation in the EU or privacy principles through GDPR or um, you know the litany of privacy regulations in Brazil or India um, this is becoming increasingly a requirement that these governments and regulators are seeing the incredible impact and power of our products and platforms and want to make sure that it's done in a responsible manner and I think um, you know I can speak for meta and I think meta welcomes that I think we um, have you know would love more guidance from uh, regulators and more engagement mark and leadership have spoken a lot about that about the engagement between private companies or private corporations and public government agencies on um, you know understanding these technologies in ways that we can um, sort of empower them to be more responsible and have a more positive impact. Yeah, I find that I've had many conversations with legislators, especially about disruptive technologies. I specifically have had many conversations on, on Capitol Hill's of, a Hill about crypto and blockchain. Uh, also in Sacramento as well, and with many regulators uh, worldwide. What I find is that um, folks don't always understand technology. <laughs> there is sort of there is a gap, and you know this was a, I think it's fairly complex um, technology. But I, I also think that people don't really understand Facebook, which I think is much simpler technology. At least some of it is simpler. Obviously, you have the various other components like VR, which is a little bit more complicated than now metaverse, and which is also intertwined with blockchain. Um, but you know, I find that this dialogue is really helpful to actually just kind of explain who you are and how you work and, 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 and really guide there. But I also think that humanizing technology is important you know we're not just a, you know you're, you're not a bot i'm not a bot <laughs> you know i have family and i want my kids to live inherent the world that is sustainable and amazing and and having like a girl like olga or a girl like fatima show up and, and 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 stand behind it and explain it and work with it with with, with regulators and the legislators is, is very important to humanize you know technology um, what efforts do you, do you think are useful for in-house counsel to engage? Like, how do you humanize technology? How do you make it warm and fuzzy and care and convince everybody else that you're like you actually share that passion and uh, of sustainability of technology? How how do you make technology more human? In many ways, the law and technology have a lot of parallels, right? So on on its face. Um, one could argue that um, the law and technology are neutral. Um, but of course, we, we quickly see both with the law and technology, there's disparate impacts. There's um, certain communities interact or engage with the law or technology in a different way and have uh, because of that have a different impact. Um, and, and I think because of my legal training, um, I have sort of that, you know, that I, I really think through that analogy a lot that, you know, on its face, um, you know, the, the, the law can arguably be neutral, but we see in that, um, how it impacts, um, different communities is very different. And that's how I think through technology. So I think, you know, um, with, you know, in-house counsel, um, my advice about humanizing the law is, oh, excuse me, um, technology is the same that I would say about humanizing the law. 
is thinking about the impact um, that technology actually has on people on their day to day. So you can have the best intentions, um, but if you you know think about the actual impact and put yourself in those communities' shoes. Um, so, for example, during COVID nineteen, we did a huge. Um, you know, Meta was really at the forefront of um, a lot of um, COVID-19 efforts. So we launched a product um, called Volunteering, where users could, um, you know, post um, through very localized posts saying, hey, I have some ex extra N95 masks um, and I'm going to leave them out on my porch. We launched that product in the US and a bunch of other jurisdictions. We were all really excited. The product team was super excited. Um, and a few policymakers in other countries came back to us and said, this is a great product, but we're worried that this could inherently um, have people violate stay-at-home orders. So as you know, in, in, you know, in some countries had a much more stricter stay-at-home orders than the US. And so the idea of people posting um, about goods or services outside the home, there was a worry that it would encourage people to violate these stay-at-home orders. That's a consideration that legal and policy hadn't even really thought of. We just thought this was a great product for communities and, and, and neighborhoods to really come together. And so I think that's an example where if we had thought, really thought hard about the real world impact and about um, the way that, you know, a product or a feature could um, impact whether it's stay at home orders or, you know, other communities, um, we would have maybe understood that nuance. And, you know, I give that example a lot um, because I think it's a learning opportunity. I think it's an opportunity to think through not just, um, you know, the immediate product need, um, but thinking through how a certain product feature or launch is going to land in a certain community. That is such a great example. Um, and yeah, I, um, I can see how that could be a mess. Uh, but I guess in the end, it's what you learn from it and how you react. That's what matters. I have a few more questions and I would kind of quickly come into the end. It's one thing to realize that, you know, you need to humanize technology as a company. You, you know, it's part of your product cycle to do the right thing. It's a responsibility. It's another thing to do that at scale. Um, and, and, and really, uh, leave it and breathe it um, and make sure that it's sort of part of the culture. Do you have any thoughts on how in-house consoles can guide their internal clients and maintain maybe relationships with regulators to make sure that all of those good intentions are done at scale? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I can speak to my first in-house experience. Um, you know, I was the third lawyer at Church Point. I think I was employee 230. So it was a tiny, tiny shop um, when I joined. And um, at that time, because it was only three lawyers, we were, we, we were still very, legal was still very much sort of defined as the contract reviewers or the, um, folks you go to if you need an NDA signed um, or sort of, you know, we would work really closely with finance um, or, you know, our financings. Um, and I think, you know, part of my goal was to establish cross-functional relationships. And so I, I really think that starts with relationship building. Um, I started um, doing a lot more privacy um, and GDPR work. And so I would set up these office hours twice a week where engineering and product teams could sign up and come with all of their hypotheticals, all of their questions. Um, and, you know, I, that, um, 
I, I really think that that small step really helped um, sort of socialize the idea of legal being a, a major stakeholder at the table, not just for legal issues, but for um, product development, for um, business analysis, for even business development um, and corporate development about, you know, companies we would acquire or, you know, do an asset purchase agreement with. Um, and so I think it, it, it starts off with relationship building. Um, and for me, it was very grassroots. It started off as a very organic effort um, to sort of answer privacy issues and concerns. I would do, you know, attorney-client privilege trainings for the product and engineering teams all the time and sales teams. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I thought of entry points um, that I could sort of, you know, immerse myself into non-legal functions. And through that, um, you know, it really organically developed into legal being um, a, a major stakeholder and legal having a seat at the table and sales teams or engineering teams proactively coming to legal um, when they were interested in a partnership agreement or thinking through a new feature that they would launch into the EU to make sure it was GDPR compliant. And so I think it starts off with small organic steps um, and, you know, very focused on those relationships. And it really, really, you know, you do get your investment back. You do get, you know, the opportunity for, um, you know, to have a seat at the table, but it takes um, a lot of work on the front end to establish those relationships. Have you had any setbacks um, that force you to sort of assess the role of technology in our lives and, and kind of what have you learned in those experiences? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I think coming from a smaller startup um, like ChargePoint to a larger company like Meta, I was, you know, I think the biggest learning opportunity there was... At Meta, you know, our legal team is almost a thousand people. And so a lot of the stakeholder involvement is within legal. And so our litigation team has a different, um, you know, focus than our privacy team, than our product team. And so I think the biggest, I wouldn't call it a setback, but I think the biggest learning opportunity for me is that when you're working within legal, being able to represent your business and product teams as best as you can, um, and also being able to um, sort of absorb a lot of the other legal constraints, but being able to present it to your product and business team in a clear, concise, and one legal voice. And I think that has been um, a learning opportunity every day where I try to, um, and I really pride myself in giving that one legal voice back to my teams with always the asterisk and caveat saying, these regulations are currently in flight or there's constant negotiation around this um, externally. Um, and so our legal posture right now is X, Y, and Z, but let's work together. Um, and if anything changes in terms of the regulatory landscape or the public scrutiny landscape, we may need to reassess it. And so I think that flexibility um, has, you know, that, um, I think that flexibility also comes to those relationship buildings. If your team trusts, that you will have their back and that you will be able to give them clear and concise legal advice throughout the way, they're a lot more um, open to accepting the reality that, you know, um, that legal advice or legal posture may change. This has been great. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I find you past fascinating and I'm, I'm so excited that you've been able to 
carve out the path for yourself and really like show up as your true self and do the right thing and work for an amazing company and and you know like do very important work you know during pandemic election i mean those are not little things those are big things so um I, you know i may i may just have you know a job crash here mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> which i almost never have so you you know what you're doing is awesome and the and the past you card for yourself is super exciting thank you for sharing but i you know before you know before you say goodbye um what is the one takeaway that you want folks who are listening viewing this conversation have um and and or maybe one thing they can do um to um you know help humanize technology law and, and do the right thing yeah well i think it's something that you had noted in the beginning where um you know i think traditionally law school um has sort of forced folks and students to uh prioritize you know having a good living having that you know partner track law firm track um or having a positive impact in society um and i would encourage um listeners whether they're lawyers or they're not lawyers um to really really question that i think there is a lot of space and a lot of opportunities to be able to meld um you know some really really interesting and complex questions um and uh working with some of the most cutting edge technology while also having a focus on social impact i don't think you have to trade it off i do think it might be harder to find than your more traditional paths in say a law firm or you know um you know investment banking for example but i you know it doesn't mean that those opportunities aren't there even in those arenas we work closely with um law firms all the time in a lot of our pro bono efforts um a lot of our engagement is with you know on around civil rights issues and around um human rights issues and so um you know if you have a passion for this space um don't think that you have to give it up to um you know have a successful career or you know an attainable um legal career in fact i think that there's a lot of opportunities um for growth in this space and i think it's going to continue to develop and grow oh i love it you speak my language thank you so much i really appreciate it you um i i i love your past and i love that you shared and i really love the sort of the intersection of impact and technology and law i think it's a, it's a ripe intersection and we should all consider it whether we you know exclusively do this or it's one of many responsibilities of uh, of that we do all day every day as in-house lawyers so thank you so much uh listeners thank you for joining uh, this conversation and um as you know to repeat again uh nominate yourself or others who you want to learn from whether it is about their career path about substantive law about uh their community involvement and about their hobbies because in-house lawyers are humans first they they have lives at work and outside of work and they can inspire you through through all kinds of things that they do so definitely let me know i'm pretty active on linkedin you can dm me you can write comments i will get back to you uh we should have conversations that um that allow all of us to show up at work as who we are and and impact the businesses we care about thank you so much for joining and um i'll see you soon and have a great day bye everyone <laughs>